want to talk today about burnout. I want to talk about burnout. I saved the best for last. And when you hear um, the term burnout, you automatically think of a person who struggles with workaholism or maybe like is a nonstop laborer who needs a good vacation. And I would say, yes, that's probably true, but I don't think you can stereotype the look of someone who's struggling with burnout. It is not a personality type that is more prone to it. I think all of us can deal with it to some degree, regardless of our personality type or how we have our worldview when it comes to career and life. And though burnout can, can definitely come because of the hours that you put in at work or your station of life, it is much more complicated than just the time that you put in at work. It is actually more 360. It's more comprehensive. Really, burnout is connected to the stories you tell yourself and how you respond. In fact, I Instagrammed this this week. I said, you know, it is said that we live in the stories we tell ourselves. If so, then what story are you consistently telling yourself? Is it true, and most importantly, does it resemble what God says about you? You see, burnout has a lot to do with the story that you're telling yourself. And I'm not saying that it's not a physical thing. It is physical. But a lot of times, our mind, in a sense, sets the framework of our life, which many times impacts our physicality also. Does that make sense? Burnout has been on the rise now for years in America. It is now officially recognized as a diagnosable condition. Do you understand that? Isn't that weird? Um, it actually is a diagnosable condition. In fact, in 2020, during COVID, kind of at the height of COVID, right at the beginning, um, there was a, 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 like this survey done, and they surveyed all these employees. And 70% of employees that took the survey said that they experienced burnout at least once in their near, near past. 87% um, of college students felt overwhelmed with what they had to do. I mean, these are like astronomical numbers, all right? And I would say this, that I would say it seems like the COVID-like era, the season of COVID, not only attacked our immunity systems, but also weakened our resistance to difficult things in general. And, and, and I just, I, I don't know if you've seen it, I've seen it. Uh, obviously, in my line of work, I have a lot of people uh, talk to me and confide in me, and I've had so many people that have told me that they felt that they had a more um, robust resistance to hard things prior to the global COVID crisis, and now they find themselves having less stamina. And it, now again, I'm not saying that they literally got COVID and feel less stamina, although that is true. Some people have long COVID. I'm talking about the global phenomenon of COVID and how it impacted our psyche. They're saying now they have less stamina. Burnout is not just physical, and it is not just emotional, and it is not just mental. I'm going to argue today that it is also spiritual. It's spiritual. And in the uh, you know, book, Big Feelings, 
how to be okay when things are not okay, the authors talk about this vicious cycle of burnout. And as I say it, I'm just curious if any of you can resonate with it, all right? First of all, you work nonstop, all right? And then simultaneously, you kind of like are panicking about the work that you still have to do, like the piles on your desk or your inbox or all your responsibility at home or at work or whatever. You're, you're working nonstop, but you're also having a lot of anxiety about what you have to do. Then what you do is you're like, I have to take a break. Most of the time, it's a forced break. You literally just get tired or sick or whatever. You take a break, and on break, what do you do? You panic about the work that you still have to do, and you start getting anxious about your inbox filling up or the piles on your desk filling up or whatever the responsibilities are. So what do you do? You go back to work nonstop. And it's just a cycle. It's a cycle, and you just cannot break out of it. And we mistakenly think that if we take a vacation, that that is going to be like the fairy that doinks us on the head with the magic wand, and somehow we're going to be replenished, our depletion will go away, a vacation will just fix the problem. But here's the thing, the vacation then tends to be filled up with all the anxious thoughts about all the things you're going to have to do once you get back in the office or back at home or wherever else, what's piling up while you're at your all-inclusive resort, right? It's a mountain of problems. But again, what stories are we telling ourselves and how are those stories impacting our choices and our worldview? By the way, there's a reason why I put this topic after last week's topic on perfectionism. <laughs> because you know what? These two are, are intertwined. Perfectionism and burnout many times walk hand in hand. You know, some of you need to go back and maybe watch last week's message because it will make more sense what I'm saying this week. But what are the stories you're telling yourself? Because you are living in them. Are you telling yourself the story that everything rides on you? That literally everything rises and falls on you? Uh, Do you, in a sense, kind of feel like your small G God in your situation, that it all rises and falls on you? How about that that you're never going to get out from underneath the pile of work that you have? Like, are you telling yourself that? Like, this is an endless grind. You are on the hamster wheel, and you're never, ever going to get off of it. Or um, are you telling yourself that if you don't do everything, it won't get done right? Like, you know, like if you, uh, if you don't do it, it's not going to be done right. So don't delegate. Don't ask for help. You just got to, like, just cowboy up or cowgirl up, and let's just make it happen, Right? Or do you tell yourself that you have to shoulder all of this in your own strength? Like you're looking at your own battery, hoping it's full enough to get through the day. Now, I can hear some of you right now saying in your mind to me, and, you know, I don't know if this is telepathy or what, but I could hear some of you saying to me, Jeremy, I legitimately have a huge load of work and responsibility. I'm not just telling myself I do. I actually do. And I have more than I can handle. And I would respond to that by saying this, I believe you, and that may very well be the case, and you may not be deceiving yourself. In fact, you may have more work than you have hours in your day, and you're really, truly maximizing your day. Like, you're not surfing on social media or watching Netflix two hours a day and then complaining that you can't get anything done, but you actually legitimately have too much on your plate. 
I would say this. It is complicated. And I have literally like 30 minutes here to be able to give a lot of people, thousands of people, some truisms on how to help with avoiding burnout or crawling out of burnout. And I just want to say there is no silver bullet that's going to solve everyone's unique situation. Like, there is no one thing I'm going to say that's going to help everyone. In fact, there, there are many different scenarios here. Some of us, we actually need to work smarter rather than harder. You're working harder, but you're not working smart. Or maybe on the other end of the spectrum, some of us need to quit saying yes to everything. Like, we just keep saying yes, and then we, we regret it later, right? Because our calendars are too full. Or, or maybe for some of us, some of us need to temper our social lives and actually start working. Or maybe some of us need to stop working as much and go home and take care of our spouse and our kids. Some of us maybe need to find a new job. Some of us maybe need to go get a job. Some of us need to quit having expectations that life is supposed to be all entertainment and easy. Who, whoever said that life was supposed to be easy and entertainment, right? But yet, some of us have that idea. Or maybe some of us need to get organized. Some of us maybe need to stop thinking that money will make us happy, so quit chasing the money. Some of us maybe need to stop finding our identity solely in our work. You see, there are all kinds of like issues, including inside of myself. So can I just tell you, there is no silver bullet here. There is no silver bullet. Now, can I just stop for a minute? Have I sufficiently offended everyone, okay, in that moment, that little tirade? Okay, good. Um, here's my point. I don't know what is going on in your specific situation, so I really don't know what your quote-unquote fix is, but I do think there are some 30,000-foot principles that you could put into play that will help you to avoid burnout or, if you are in a state of burnout, begin to come out of that state. And I only have time for two. I'm going to talk about two principles. I only have time for two. And these two things, I believe, will substantially move the needle in your life. And by the way, both of them are spiritual. So you came to church today, and I'm assuming you want to hear a spiritual truth. So I'm going to give you two spiritual things. There are other things you need to do when it comes to burnout, but these are two that we have time for today. The first one is this principle, that you need to prioritize what's really important. You need to prioritize what's really important. Now, I know the minute I say that, some of you are like going, it's kind of vanilla, kind of cliche. Give me something a little bit more. Okay, I will. I will. It's kind of like these two jars back here on this table. All right, I want you to picture right here that this, um, this jar represents your life, okay? Now, if you're here last week, I'm not going to throw this jar on the, on the ground, okay? But anyway, this uh, represents your life, okay? This is you. What is important is that the really important big things go into your life first, First and foremost, your relationship with Jesus, right? That needs to go in. And then your relationships with like your spouse, if you're married, uh, if you're single, the relationship with like your very close friend or friends, you know, that should go in. Um, if you have kids, that's important, right? That's an important big rock that needs to go into your life. Here's another one, your health. Your health, all right? God wants to give you a long life, but you need to help him by not eating 
you know, fast food every day. And, and, and here's the thing, you got to be healthy with your habits of eating and exercise and all that kind of fun stuff, all right? Um, also, another one would be like rest, you know. These are big things that need to go in first. Then these smaller things, which are necessary. Like I'm going to list off a bunch of things here and you're going to go, well, they're necessary. They are necessary, but they're not as important as the important things, all right? Like, for example, here are some necessary things, like work, you know? It is necessary. You've got to work. Or how about money, right? Yeah, well, money. Some people are like, oh, I don't need money. I'm like, no, you need money. I mean, you've got to be able to, like, buy food. You've got to be able to buy gas. Hello, how much more money do we need right now for that? Um, you know, these are things that are important, and, and I would say that they're necessary, but they're not as important as, like, your relationship with God, all right? So you've got to put in all of these important things, money and, like, work and your responsibilities, your obligations, you see, all these things got to get in here and they kind of shake around, all right? And then last but not least, in our life, this stuff, these are the discretionary choices. These are things that are not mandatory or, in other words, they're not necessary, nor are they like the most important things that go in first, right? This would be things like, oh, I don't know, time on social media. Um, it could be things like sports, hobbies, um, you know, video games, more stuff. Like, you know, once you get, like, your basic life needs met, food, shelter, clothing, well, then all of a sudden people start getting pretty obsessed about certain types of clothing or certain types of shelter or certain types of food, right? Well, you know, that's like more stuff. Um, maybe like ease or, or luxuries or whatever. And again, here's the thing. It can all go into your life and it all shakes down and it all fits in nicely. This is the way we should be living. Big, important, non-negotiable things go in first. Then necessary things and then all the discretionary things. But here is the problem with our culture. The problem with our culture is this. We usually start with the discretionary things. We put in you know, all of the luxurious things that we want. We, you know, we, we don't have money, but we sure definitely want to make sure that we have direct TV, you know, right? Or, or maybe, maybe like, you know, you know, we believe that we should be able to put in like, you know, have, have all the luxuries and all the things of life and, and all that. So we put in all these discretionary things first. Social media, we spend, you know, a couple of hours on social media. We play video games for two hours a day. We're doing all these things, right? And then after that, we're like, well, now I need, I need the money to pay for these things. Like, I got to go work and I got I to gotta do all, the, all of that. Well, then pretty soon what happens is you have your jar, your life is already filled, and then you're trying to fit in like God and Jesus, and you're trying to get all these other things that are the important things, time with your family, you're trying to fit in like, you know, your health, like I don't have time to exercise, or I don't, and, and it doesn't all fit in, right? Because again, you've put all of the discretionary things in first. So here's my question. My question is, is this, if the Bible says in Psalms 90, teach us how short our life is so that we may become wise. Life is short. 
Here's my question. What are you filling your life with? What are you filling your life with? How much time do you spend on social media? How much time do you spend fixating about our current political situation? How much time do you spend in mindless, non-essential activities? And then you're like, oh, but I don't have any time to pray. See, we have to put the big rocks in first. And we put the big rocks in first, and then after that, the necessary things. And then after that, all of the discretionary things. And unfortunately, our culture has that upside down. That actually is a spiritual principle. The important things go in first. God first. You know, in fact, Jesus even said that, that you know, really the greatest commandments are that you love God and then you love your neighbor. I mean, those are the big rocks. So, so the biggest rock is that you, you love God. And loving God is more than just saying, you know, I give verbal assent to that. It means that according to Jesus, if you love him, you obey his commands. And, and so here's the thing. You, you put the big rocks in first. You take care of your family. You take care of your health. You take care, first and foremost, of your relationship with Jesus. All the big rocks first. Then the other things, work and money and all that kind of stuff. Then the discretionary things. If you have time left over for social media, if you have time left over for video games, if you have time left over for entertainment, great. Again, I'm not saying hobbies are bad or anything like that, but the hobby is not the reason you're living. Does that make sense? It is not the reason. So that's the first principle. The second principle is this. Practice Sabbath, okay? So the most important things go in first, and then secondly, practice Sabbath. Now, again, this is a spiritual principle. Now, I realize that sometimes the Jewish people can take Sabbath to an extreme um, and, and be what it is or, you know, whatever, uh, you know, whatever your opinion, they practice something that is actually one of the Ten Commandments, it's actually one of the Ten Commandments. In fact, it says this in the book of Exodus, where all the Ten Commandments are being listed. Um, God says to Moses, remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. So this day is dedicated to God. All right. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, and any foreigners living among you. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. But on the seventh day, he rested. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. I mean, it's kind of interesting. Do you know that in First and Second Genesis, before sin entered the world, the only thing that God calls holy is the Sabbath day. He doesn't call man or woman holy. He doesn't call cows holy. He doesn't call trees holy or waterfalls or anything else, the sun or whatever he created. The only thing he calls holy is the Sabbath day before sin entered the world. Isn't that interesting? And in fact, as I said, sometimes the Jewish people take this too far, but, but, but you know what? We as a culture, could probably move more their direction. Let's talk about it for a moment. Let's talk about our view of Sabbath. 
Let's talk about the Chick-fil-A life. You see, I would propose to you that we don't believe in Ten Commandments. I believe that we believe in nine commandments and one suggestion. And it's the idea of, yeah, we believe you shouldn't murder, and yeah, you shouldn't covet, and you know, you shouldn't make any other gods before our God, and oh, we believe in those commandments. Then it comes to Sabbath, and we're like, ah, that's kind of nice. That's a suggestion. The idea of taking a day of rest for most of us is optional. It's optional. But I would say this, there are no times of inactivity in our culture anymore. There's no time of, of inactivity. We are constantly going. Every faith story has a creation story. So if you were to go to Islam, Buddhism, any of the world religions, um, every faith story has a creation story. Do you know that the Christian faith is the only one that has rest built into it? I want you to think about that. Out of all the creation stories, out of every religion that has been made up by, by man over the years, the, the Christian faith, which we believe is the faith, we believe that's really the, the real faith, but that faith the, is the only creation story that actually has rest built into it. Isn't that interesting? Six days God created, and on the seventh day, Everything, including him, was commanded to sit down and rest. It's built into our creation story. All other, you know, gods throughout all the years, I mean, if the Roman, Greek gods, whatever, these were slave gods. These were gods that demanded you work, and if you got lucky, you might be able to be rewarded with rest. Our God says, you rest first, and then you go to work. See, this is not a sermon that promotes laziness. The minute I said Sabbath, some of you thought lazy, okay? It, we should work hard as people. But, but can I tell you, um, many of us struggle with the topic of, of Sabbath because we think rest is laziness. And I will tell you, it is not the same thing. In fact, in, in, in many, um, uh, in our culture, in the mindset of our culture, Many people want an easy life, all right? Can I tell you, God never calls us to ease. God calls us to rest and then work. And we think a sign of weakness is, is resting, but that could not be further from the truth. Actually, the idea of Sabbath, listen, challenges our narcissism. Our narcissism that we think we are the center of the universe, and it reminds us that we cannot do everything in our own efforts. Think about this. Think about this for a moment. God created the world in five days. On the sixth day, he created us. And what was the very first assignment that God gives Adam and Eve? What was the very first thing? You know, I mean, you would think it'd be like, okay, Adam and Eve, go get them. Go get to work in the garden. No, the very first thing God says is rest. Meaning this. You begin with rest, and then you go to work. You see, we think that, that rest is a reward for hard work. And I'm not saying it isn't all the way, but my point is, is this. Rest is not your reward. Rest is your command so that you can work hard and you can make a difference. You don't earn rest. 
Okay, does that make sense? Rest is so that you can be the best at what you are called to be. Actually, the invitation to Sabbath is an invitation to work. Because God is saying, I want you to rest, I want you to fuel up, I want you to recharge your battery, and then go get them. Does that make sense? You see, work without rest is slavery. Rest without work is laziness. So you have to have rest and work working in tandem together. Does that make sense? In fact, the Bible describes God as both the Lord of the Sabbath, rest, and the Lord of the harvest, work. He's both, and he wants us to be that also. Both. God said this Sabbath day is holy, which means you and I don't make it holy. It is holy. Are you going to enter into the holy? That's the real question. It's already holy. You don't make it holy by being, you know, a person that takes a Sabbath. It's not like, well, now I've made my life. No, 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 no. Listen, the Sabbath is holy. The question is, are you going to enter into it?